This is the Mouths of the South podcast. You shut your mouth when you're talking to me. The official Dirty South Soccer podcast. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Talking all things Atlanta United FC. Don't nobody understand the words that are coming out of your mouth, man. We are the Mouths of the South. The South got something to say. That's all I got to say. What's up, Elena? This is the Mouths of South podcast brought to you by Dirty South Soccer and the Palatial 680 of the Fan Studios. I am Eric Quintana. Next to me, Josh Bagrianski. And across from me is Mr. Sam Franco. Gentlemen, there's good news in the world of Atlanta sports. Yeah. Atlanta United has advanced to the next round. one nothing win over the New England Revolution. We're talking about playoff wins for an Atlanta team. How about that? Well, this is the one Atlanta team that wins in the playoffs. <laughs> Joseph Martinez. Only team that wins ish. Yeah. I mean, Joseph Martinez told us this before the playoffs even started. He's like, I mean, the Braves were doing really well at the time. And so I think a lot of people were like, what's Joseph talking about? Well, Joseph knew. He knew the Braves were going to (laughs) choke. He knew that. He knew about the Atlanta sports curse. Yeah. He was well in touch. But he also knows that the demons. It doesn't affect Atlanta United because Atlanta United has multiple players that like to step up in these really clutch moments, including hashtag playoff Franco. Every every time in the playoffs, man, last year, this year, he's had some huge moments. Obviously, the goal in MLS Cup final was big, but uh, he, he just he, he, these aren't just the moments. It's like these goals that he has scored is not just why we're calling this guy playoff Franco now. It's because he just his game in general elevates in, the, in these, you know, light shining brightest moments and there's now a shirt to commemorate the experience of playoff franco that's right and in partnership with breaking tea uh dirty south soccer came out with the playoff franco shirt head to dirty to get yours i think i have to get one just it's good it's very can good. you get us some i could probably work i could probably help you does anybody but. see that shirt on you sam and think that you know maybe isn't a big atlanta united fan think you're talking about yourself that you are playoff Franco, I mean, I, playoff I, Sam Franco. It's, it's gotten to the point where every time somebody says something about Franco on Twitter, I've got to stop doing this <laughs> thing where I'll like quote tweet and be like, "Oh, you didn't have to say that. That's nice or whatever." Well, like, it's, I, it's oh especially God. hard in like like for us because in the in the in the Dirty South soccer. That's r- funny, but that's also like the lamest thing ever. Right? Like, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It's like it's incredibly lame, and I keep doing it. So like, you, I think fall, even, you always well, even like Footy Mob tweeted. I think right after he had scored, they're like, "Franco, you're an incredibly." beautiful man and i think i quote tweeted them i was like oh yeah i think you guys are beautiful too or something and i was like i got <laughs> that's stop nicer than it. to say that about you like i've got to stop doing it because it's um, not that cool it, um did you think they were all criticizing you a few weeks ago when he had the howler <laughs> <laughs> against new england well i mean franco isn't the most common name you hear like every day yeah. i mean it's not super uncommon yeah. or anything but just for it to be someone's first name uh, the only person that used to get that was like Franco Harris, you know, mm-hmm. like back in the day. Of the football oh God, yeah, yeah. But like the now we've got yeah Franco Escobar here. Yeah, it's certainly cool, and, and you know, it's just uh, it's cool to to kind of you know play those puns sometimes. Yeah. I don't know why I said it was cool because no, Sam, stop trying to convince yourself. It's well, that's not that cool. You can always count on playoff Franco, and you can always count on Eric not following through. Who promised? No Eric promised he would show up in the gulch with biscuits. I told you all he would not be there. Time I out. of course was there. I of time course out. was there. Yeah, time out. Tell everyone why you lied to them. I didn't lie. I made well, the attempt to go. Well, I didn't see you there. But it was effing pouring. Uh, well, yeah, it was not. A it great. was. I was there. That's pouring, all I'm saying. And I would needed to go to the press box at some point. I wasn't going to be dragging around two bags of, of biscuits by the time I got there, which would have been absolutely soaked. Two bags of biscuits on top of my soaking self. I went to the press box and 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 
They were like, well, it, it was sprinkling 10 seconds ago. It's like, I know. I've been out that well, long. You know, a man is only as good as his word, Eric, and you didn't, I made you didn't the attempt. live up to it. I made the attempt, okay? You called me. I got and there, I, I, and I was, I was on my way. Yeah, right. I was on my way. Classic. And then it started raining heavily, and I was like, nah. I was under a tent, hanging out under a tent, drinking Bloody Marys. I spent the Mary's. entire match, the entire match, with absolutely soaking shoes. Oh, man. Absolutely soaking shoes. I had, yeah, I was out in the rain all day, and I actually ended up going to the Georgia State football game that night, which should show oh, you the nice. sort double, of the double, sort of double whammy for him. sort of state I was in. They beat Army, and right? you know how it is. They did. Mm. Uh, uh, you know when you were like out in the, the in the rain all day, and uh, like your socks are soaked, and the next day the bottoms of your feet are just like br- everything they touch oh, burns. Yeah. yeah, I was I was an absolute disgusting mess. Uh, on Sunday, see, so. I didn't want to have to go through that, so that's why I went to the press. Box. Okay. Well, I was a man of my word, and you know, sometimes. Listen, listen. We won the game. That's all that matters. We did, Something we did. I did, I did right. We did. We did. Maybe not showing up with the biscuits was the key to the whole thing. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, I celebrated with Bojangles the next morning, so you know, at least biscuits were had by someone. I'm just saying, it's it's. <laughs> I didn't want anyone to have soggy biscuits. Okay. That that's <laughs> no soggy very biscuits nice. for well, We wanted nice. we wanted Eric. It wasn't about the biscuits. It was about you and getting to hang out. And uh, you left us all hanging. So you know. So when did the festivities start on Thursday? I'm trying to get out there. The game starts at eight o'clock. Yeah, I'm it's hoping. You know, I'll be coaching. I'm hoping I can reach by about six thirty, six forty-five, and have a, a solid, you know, thirty, forty-five minutes. Just uh, pound some drinks and. Uh, so here's what I'm thinking. If, oh, I, yeah, okay. if I can get yeah. there in time, oh, oh, right. I will. I will meet with the people. Biscuits sure. part. No, I, I, be- I believe you. I totally believe you. If I can get there, <laughs> I don't think you. Believe I leave. Me. I leave my work in Lawrenceville at five. If I can get there by six, I will gladly spend forty-five minutes to an hour hanging out with the people. Right. So that's your promise. No, if, I didn't promise. If, I said I'll try. If, yeah, I said, said I'll try. If, if I can get there by a certain time, I'll try. If I'm there, I if will. It's also talk not to absolutely you. pouring Thanks, rain, Eric. and I will absolutely try. <laughs> I also had a laptop, mind you, that I was carrying around. Yeah, yeah, you did tell me about so the laptop. So don't, don't like, I mean. Well, you said without you were a la- coming. Without a laptop, we're not streaming tonight. All right? <laughs> well, Just saying. That one time you forgot it anyway. Yeah, well, so. you know what? <laughs> it, it would be forgotten every single week if if if, if I had gone out in the well, rain with a laptop. hopefully one day you, you get to, you know, come, I wasn't even thinking about out. my laptop. I was thinking about the soggy biscuits and my personal health. Mm-hmm. That's what I was thinking about when oh. I when I decided, you know what? I got to about face this thing right here you, and go back inside. When you decide to come and, and hang out with the with the us common folk, you know, feel free to feel free. Feel free. You're also, all, you're always also, more than welcome. Enchiladas in the press box. Mm. Really? Sunday, Saturday. 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 Yeah, that sounds pretty, that sounds amazing. Is that uh what what That was what, that they was everything chicken. Un- that was unexpected. Beef, oh, it was cheese. just it was just chicken, but it was unexpected because they don't I've never seen enchiladas. Normally it's like a Either some kind of beef, that honey mustard chicken, or some kind of like either either chicken or 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 pork. And in this case, mm. it was it was it was pork and enchiladas. I was like, mm. I wonder what the occasion is. Clearly, it was mixing it up, making making a big deal out of playoff Franco. Maybe that's the whole. Well, if we lose, and, and these guys and, and these guys, no, oh, no, they'll say two hours after enchiladas, these guys won't want to come. You know, they'll be running for the bathroom before they come to the locker room to ask the tough questions. So That's maybe, it, maybe it was a plan to uh, to get you guys out of the out of the facility and into and into the facilities, so to speak, after those enchiladas that you ate. 
We have yeah, rice can and we beans. About, about face, like turn course away from this. <laughs> this, this, this I love like enchiladas. Josh is going no, just where Josh is taking the enchilada discussion. Well, I'm I'm Jewish, so I'm fascinated by free anything, and so obviously, <laughs> so obviously the free food. I, I'm doing some rice and beans this time as well, or just, uh, uh, if there is rice and beans, I didn't I didn't have any. I don't think there was though. Okay. It was it, it, it was a weird combination of of things. Well, I'm glad you I'm glad you enjoyed the meal, and you know, good good for you, Eric. More importantly, we missed you though. Yeah, they won the game. We enjoyed what happened yeah, on the you. field. Yeah, I recall it being fun. We enjoyed the moments we had uh, against an, uh, New England Revolution. Josh when recalled it, it being fun. He also recalled it incorrectly. I didn't <laughs> recall a lot. Uh, I did. It's not did, one of my greater recollections. Did you remember that New England won one nothing? I'm sorry. That Atlanta <laughs> won one nothing. Oh my goodness. I'm off the hook. I don't have to say anything about that. Yeah, I was gonna say. Uh, I, was gonna, I, was, I was gonna start railing on Josh for thinking that Franco Escobar was crossing instead of. Yeah, shooting. I was so sure. Uh, oh no, that, he was, that he was crossing. So I have to give myself. So the section I sit in is opposite the opposite post from where where he struck the ball. So this is where Josh so tried to explain I, away why he well, was wrong. Well, I will explain where I screwed up. So everyone around us initially thought. It was a cross because you couldn't actually see him strike the ball. You just saw him receive it, take a touch, and then you saw uh, uh, Turner get wrong-footed and mm-hmm. the ball's in the back of the net. So I'm thinking, surely he crossed that. That's where the alcohol kicked in, and I didn't look at the – there's a rather large screen. You can watch yeah, replays. Yeah, the halo board. Yeah, I believe yeah. it's called the halo board. Yeah. So anyways, I uh, I didn't really look at that. And uh, after embarrassing myself on Twitter and uh, re-watching it very hungover the next day, I realized it was obviously – a shot and a and a and a banger a banger at that. What a great goal from Frank! Absolutely, yeah. I mean it's a tremendous goal. But I think in order to really get to the kind of crux of the goal and really get to why it happened, you've got to go back and just talk about the adjustment that was made in general. You know, Atlanta started this game with three men at the back. I think we had talked. Uh, Eric and I were last week kind of saying that we thought it would be a back four just because of the way that mm-hmm. the injury situation had presented itself. Uh, with Miles Robinson being out. Turns out that wasn't the case. And you've got to give Michael Parkhurst all the credit in the world. He because until he got hurt, this is one, of, his, awesome. one of the best games he's if ever played. If not for him, we would have lost this game. In an Atlanta United shirt. Absolutely. Just a tremendous effort for Michael Parkhurst. And the shape change from Frank DeBoer, putting four men at the back, and uh, really you know, just introducing Tito Vijalba in there. <laughs> I think if you, when we'll talk about this later, but any chance of pity featuring from here on out seems to be done and dusted. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, after, think, I, think it's, I think it's dependent on who you're playing and the, what the situation yeah, is, but I, I do think you're right. I think for yeah. the most part, he's kind of out. And that's something I'm sure when we move on to, you know, talking about the union match a little bit, that's going to be a big talking yeah, point. It, it certainly will be. Um, but just in terms of, you know, what, what made this goal, it was the change of, of philosophy and what they wanted to do and also uh, I've, I've been kind of harping on this in in some of our chats and channels and stuff but it was Flo Pogba just deciding to <laughs> run all the way forward and get in a position he probably shouldn't have been that really made the goal yeah well, see I, I you're right I, I won the th- ball back I, I do think that Pogba going forward was absolutely key to the whole thing I also think that that wasn't just something random because 
Franco Escobar is doing the same thing. That's on the why other side. he's on the other side. Yeah, it's 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 not something that's absolutely random. It's it's something they were told to do. But getting as far up. forward as he did, and then kind of Franco just, Escobar literally scored inside the box. But I'm saying instead of like at the moment because it was it was one of those where Atlanta had lost the ball and he won it back. It was one where I, when I saw him do it, I was like, oh crap, he's gonna run forward and leave them exposed on that side. And instead, he somehow wins yeah. the ball. And I think you had kind of said it, Josh, the best way uh, in in his sort of. Uh, did it by accident type way or whatever where he just goes forward and something good kind of happens and uh, it, it led to a, yeah. to a tremendous goal and, for Atlanta and United. Pogba and Escobar's uh, contributions obviously Escobar scoring the goal and Pogba winning the initial ball back to, to put the pressure on by pressing up high are both uh, results of this kind of shape yeah. system change that Sam alluded to and basically, just to break that down, and there's a ton on Dirty South Soccer about this. If yeah, you want to yeah. go look at, you know, look at it. Joe Patrick did like a really, really cool thing on it today, where you can kind of look at the nitty gritty of the tactics and whatnot. But and basically, it's, it's videos for it's a video for you. It's a video, uh, yes. You video, uh, yeah. Video inclined. Oh, pivot exactly. to video. <laughs> pivot to video, right? And uh, this stuff is a lot easier when you see it visually. But I'll do my best to kind of explain it. So basically, you know, as we all know, you've been playing in a three back system all year with. Uh, your wing backs basically being uh, uh, Julian Gressel and Justin Miram. And then you've been asking your two players that play underneath Joseph Martinez, Emerson, who have been Emerson Hyman and Ezekiel Barco, to be the ones that kind of drift from the center to the wide areas to help, uh, to help out those players when needed. Then you change the shape to a back four, and it's more of a 4-3-3. So then you have a right back and a left back, and you have a right and a left winger. So you have two out-and-out wide players to go forward. And if you watch the goal, uh, uh, Jones, uh, who's playing on that side for New England, is distracted momentarily by Julian Gressel, who's playing as a winger on the right side, leaving Franco Escobar space to run behind. That doesn't happen most likely in the previous system because right. you're probably going to well, have... And it, and it didn't happen up until that point yeah. throughout the entire and there, match. And there are actually several examples of this and, uh, and and New England did such a great job. You know, we talked all in the lead up to this match of how uh, Julian Gressel just gave them all sorts of problems in, 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 in the first match in the, in the last like, regular season they, uh, match. Well, I mean, they clearly... I mean, Bruce Arena clearly looked at that film and I thought this was a very well-managed match from both sides and said, we've got to specifically put someone uh, to deal with, with, with Julian Gressel. So you go in, you, you play Dewan Jones instead of Ani Baba, who played there last time, uh, who's played, I think, uh, I think it's nine or ten matches as a left defender all year. And basically, he's just a guy who's more athletic, who can chase Julian Gressel around, and he was assigned to man-mark him, and he did a pretty, pretty darn good job of it. But then, suddenly... He has to deal with two players down his side, and, and Gressel playing as now an attacking wing player, and then Franco Escobar making the tra- trailing run from right back. So suddenly he has to deal with one player instead of two, and on that goal, he gets distracted by Julian Gressel, and that allows Franco Escobar to make the run in behind. So, you know, th- there's some better stuff than the way I put it in terms of seeing it visually, but between Flo Pogba being allowed to fly forward down the left, win that ball back, and then mm-hmm. obviously Franco Escobar making that run from right back uh, to score the winning goal. That's a direct result of the system change from Frank DeBoer. It's not a huge change, but it's specifically there so you can overload in those wide areas and do a better job of, of giving of giving uh, Dewan Jones trouble because he had done such a great job 1v1 with Julian Gressel. Then it becomes more of a 1v2 matchup, and that's where the goal comes from. Yeah, yeah. and it's crazy, too, when you think about, you know, you were talking about Pogba there, just how, how many uh, 
how many times we've heard criticisms, or I, I guess if you could say, like, what's the no, biggest? No, I mean, you can still criticize them even in this game. Well, no, no, of course. No, absolutely. But I'm saying, what's the biggest or one of the loudest criticisms against him? It's that he's sometimes out of position and Atlanta United get caught out because of him not being where he needs to be. But in this game, you know, he played exactly like Josh was saying to the system change and, and how they wanted to get forward uh, in terms of overlapping the sides. And yeah, it, it overloaded each side really and then caused uh, the Franco being open in the box, like you said, in the first place. And obviously, you got to give a ton of credit to Ezekiel Barco, too, who I thought had a, a hell of a game in his own right. Uh, in in that that middle of the park, kind of being the general of the of the team, kind of having everything run through him, and uh, played a beautifully weighted ball to Franco on the on the goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was actually that was that was something special. Initially, I kind of thought he might have no looked at, but he mentioned after the match that uh, he happened to see the last second that run being made, and he just kind of split the. I mean that the ball, that, that ball was, is that was beautiful. Is un- and yeah. you know that little touch he also had when the ball pops up in the, uh, right in front of the box and Pania comes yeah. in and he and he takes that little deft touch to get around him. Ezekiel Barco was brilliant yeah. in this match. I went and watched it back and like I said I I, I had a, a few recollections of, from the actual match from being good, but I wasn't sure on account of me being uh, pretty hammered. intoxicated <laughs> or hammered or whatever you call it. But he was I mean every touch he was all over the ball. He was playing guys in behind. He had a couple opportunities to score. He was getting forward and high pressing. He had a couple of important interceptions. I mean, he was absolutely brilliant. And you can just see, I mean, the attack is going to flow through him. I mean, it, 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 he's the guy. I mean, he's the he's the Almiron replacement. He's the guy that Atlanta United looks for to get out of trouble, whether it be getting out on the counter or trying to play out of little uh, pockets of pressure and attack. He's the guy that they look for, and he's just fit into that role so 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 well and I really think that if not for injuries this season I think that he would be there would already be rumors about him going to Europe similar which you heard from Miguel Amiron about this time last season because he is just that good and he was hands down the best player on the pitch and it culminated in that fantastic assist to Franco Escobar yeah and then go ahead he needs a full season uh healthy playing because this is yeah. the second straight season yeah. where he's been out a major a, a large well, portion mul- of the season. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 yeah. So there's a, I, he needs a full season where he's playing, where he, he's, he's, he's having, he's contributing to the team to, to, to the success of the club throughout the, the, the entirety of the season. It's supposed to different spurts here and there because of whatever injury. I, I look, I, I'm, I'm gonna agree with you, but because what concerns me about Barco right now is not so much what he can cr- contribute to this team. It's not like the same conversation we were having last year. This is more of a conversation of, uh, uh, you know, is he able to stay healthy enough so that eventually he can be passed on to someone else? Someone will take him eventually. Well, how good but it's he always, was, It's though. always going to be in the back of someone's uh, someone's mind, especially if they're looking to buy him, is that, man, he's injured a lot. That's true, but how so that, good that's he's gotta, been. That's got to change for him. How good he's been this season, and if he has a monster playoff run here, that's going to attract a yeah. lot of eyeballs from Europe, especially that January window where a lot of desperate teams will oh, he's spend not, I don't think he's going anywhere dumb year, money. I actually I think Sam has a point. I mean, I think because this is it's not like Barco has been flying under the radar. I mean, he's no. a, he's a well thought of young player already. So I think if he comes in with a fine playoff performance and you combine that with what he's given you when he was healthy and what he offered in the U twenty World Cup over the summer, where he was arguably one of the two or three best players there, there's always a chance he could. I, mean, I think I think people are going to start to. I think. Uh, Take a look com- at him. I think you might have the conversation and, say in the summer. I don't know about now. Well, well, yeah. I mean, we'll see what happens. But you look at his. <clears throat> Sam talks about making a monster playoff run in this match. He's all over the ball. Seventy-four touches, creates three chances. Any or f- scout that watches him in this match is like, damn. 
Absolutely. But he's missed what? Effectively two half seasons. But I think you have to well, I think you have to understand he's a, he's a, yeah, I mean, I at the same time you could say his value will never be, you know, lower than it will be right now. If he does play a full season like this for Atlanta United next year, I think he goes for more than Miguel Amiron uh, went for to Newcastle. And I mean, you look at this match, I mean, all over the ball, 74 touches, uh, really good with his pass completions, complete uh, creates three chances. He gets an assist. Uh, three shots. Uh, he, w- I mean, he was uh, he was unlucky not to score mm-hmm. uh, on a couple of different occasions. Uh, and then the the crazy part for Ezekiel Barco is in this match that you're looking at him getting all those touches on the ball, five dribbles and fouled five times. So that's ten times he's on the ball and he's either beating a guy or drawing a foul. I mean, that is really really impressive. Just an almost flawless performance from him. And I don't know. I don't know that you get that goal without him. I don't know what you get. I mean, we've, well, we, the, the one criticism I have about this match is way too many missed chances. I think it's obvious for anyone yeah. to see. There's too many missed chances. You could have put this game away a little, a lot earlier than Including you did. Joseph, man. Yeah, no, Joseph, no, yeah, yeah. It's not just limited to Barco for sure. Um, the the one thing I'm gonna have to go back to. It, it's 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 got to be one of the more clutch decisions for Frank DeBoer. The 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 idea for him to to change the formation the way when he did the way he did, knowing that he needed to make something happen. Yeah. That to me, it cannot be looked over at all, because as much crap I totally as, agree. as much crap as we've as as people have given not we but people have given him uh, over the course, especially early on, over the course of the entire season about how one with the whole fire the uh, the bore out stuff and and how how unpopular he's been for the course of this entire season, you cannot uh, uh, stress enough how how clutch that decision was because he could have easily thrown in pity and like look we needed a mm-hmm. score we needed more attackers boom that's a like for like with someone else and 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 we'll throw in uh Vijalba in there too and we'll keep the same back three and then we'll just go from there that that easily could have been the thought process and we would have all been like all right yeah that that works and in the moment would have been like okay pity do something Vijalba do something yeah. whatever the third sub is do something but no he decides in the middle of the game 30 minutes left change the entire uh, uh tactical philosophy of the team to the point where a thing that Franco Escobar and Pogba, one, because he wasn't in the game, two, because they weren't in the right formation, weren't even doing it all and going forward and creating yeah. a, a different look for for New England in those moments, in the moments where they're tired, they're, they're mentally fatigued, that's huge. Yeah. That's a massive call from a coach like Frank DeBoer, who struggled this year to, to, I think, at times find those calls to make. And certainly I think we saw, and this is something we talked about with Tata Martino who kind of flipped the switch as a manager last year in the MLS Cup run, deciding, and obviously his decision is uh, to play super, more, I'm not super defensive, but more defensive last year. Everyone talks about the 5-3-2 that he went into. That's not what Frank DeBoer is doing, but he's showing a similar uh, kind of thought process where he's like tested some things, and now he knows what he's going to stick with. And clearly, while Tata Martino was one to go and say, okay, we're just going to play a little more defensively uh, and we're just going to try to hit you direct on the counter, I think Frank DeBoer has added some wrinkles where he wants to change the shape within the game. And this is something that we talked about all year is if Atlanta United can't, you know, when people are talking about, oh, back three or back four, back five, if Atlanta United can feel comfortable playing in all of those different shapes, then it's a real problem because it's really only a small tweak to go from a three four three or whatever we're calling it to a four three three. But for a player like Dewan Jones, like I just said, who's specifically assigned to man mark Julian Gressel to suddenly have to deal with two players instead of one, that makes a huge difference. So I think Frank DeBoer showed us that he has really evaluated his team and decided 
what systems of play they can use, what adjustments that they can make within the match to, to get through a single elimination postseason scenario. And quite clearly, that doesn't necessarily include PT. So, I mean, it, when you look at the way it worked out, you've got to be really happy that, that he stuck to his guns. And, uh, you know, I think Tito Vijalba, uh, I think you could easily argue, was far more dangerous than P.T. Martinez would have been. He was great down that left wing. I mean, you talk about a player coming off the bench you don't want to deal with. You know, he came right in and nutmegged Brandon By within yes. like two or three minutes. I mean, a player that's going to run right at you. Uh, I mean, it, it's really a tough thing to adjust to. And clearly, Frank DeBoer, this is something he's willing to do. Uh, a- as the season goes on, and then lastly, oh, go ahead, Eric. I, I was going to say it was weird because as soon as this change happened, it's it's like all of a sudden Philadelphia reacted by not knowing. Uh, sorry, Philadelphia, New England reacted by not knowing what to do, and they just became much more compact. Because where in the first half you didn't have the wings as as open yeah. as you did with Tito flying down and 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 Franco and Gressel going down the right side, um, all of a sudden you had all that room, and it's like it's like New England had didn't really know how to adjust to that in the moment. It created so many. So many, so much craziness for them, um, which ultimately, I mean, we've already talked over leading to the first goal, but to just it, it blew my mind to think how different a formation change could just absolutely change the game. Yeah, and, I, I, and a couple of subs here and there, and boom, you've got a, a completely different game. Right. Had they played like that from the beginning, I think it would have been like much worse than it was. I think you would have seen more goal. I mean, the game yeah. would have been more open uh, for sure. I, what was interesting about it was one of the things that it did was Carlos Heel. First of all, I thought was just brilliant for New England. He is such a great player. I mean, he was giving us fits. Uh, you know, he's kind of playing down the right and like checking inside, playing kind of freely. And then you had Pania on the other side, uh, who was really pacey, obviously scored uh, the last time the teams had faced in the last regular season match. And then those guys were forced to come back and defend a little bit more because suddenly, you're, like I said, you're dealing with two out and out wide players instead of one. So it kind of, it was interesting because during that period, even though it was, I guess you would call it an attacking move from Atlanta United, although I'd call it more of just a tweak in system. Um, New England did not look, I thought, less dangerous going forward than they had previously because you were forcing those wide players back to deal with Pogba uh, and Franco Escobar getting forward as the, as the outside backs. So, I think we also need to look at Frank DeBoer and, you know, obviously most European managers and even, you know, South American managers to an extent aren't super used to preparing for single elimination games other than in like a Champions League or something like that and it's like his like super analytical like approach and and like the the way that the the Dutch prepare for these things with the total football and everything although we all know his system is is is, is sort of a an offshoot of that but it's like it's almost like he's the perfect manager for a, a system like this where you're doing these single elimination games because of his level of preparation and yeah. because, like you said, he's sort of been preparing to get to this point all season where he's like, all right, we can do this in this formation, we can do this in yeah. that formation. And almost like you with uh, with the quote-unquote Barco haters and calling them to, to <laughs> We'll come, get back to you later, to Barco come, haters. Come to Jesus or whatever. <laughs> I haven't forgot uh, about you. Um, they, they, need kinda, mo- they need more than Jesus. I feel, like, well, I feel like with the performance of Frank DeBoer in this game, a lot of people who were ready to fire him a few months ago need to come out and be like, I, I at least impressed. admit that right. you know, this, this is... 
is is why Atlanta United hired him. This type of performance, this type of decision making, and being able to make an adjustment mid game when things yeah. aren't working the way you want them. I totally agree because I, I mean I'm someone you know, and obviously I wasn't on the Frank DeBoer out train because I just think that's a bit much. But I certainly was not sold on him as a manager based on the body of work this season. You know, it, it had been erratic at times. I looked at that NYCFC match where you just got blasted. Uh, and what at that point was the biggest match of the regular season, and I thought Frank DeBoer got the tactics completely wrong, trying to play Tito Vijalba at wing back, trying to play expansive attacking football on the U seven pitch in New York. You know, it's not going to happen. So U seven is kind. Uh, it's it's good to see. You're right. It, it, so it's nice to see, like you said, Sam, in the playoffs. Then you saw in a more pragmatic Atlanta United. They seem to have a better understanding of what they're doing. Then you have the kind of preset in game adjustments to go to the four three three. And also the fact that he's not willing to let the players. I mean, cl- you know, clearly there was player unrest at times throughout the season. Not playing PT in that moment is it? First of all, it's a big risk. To weather the storm. Um, it's a know. big, big risk. I mean, to be nil nil down uh, in a match that could go 120 minutes and, and basically not play, uh, and not play PT. Yeah. So, so that's 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 big. That's a big move from Frank DeBoer. And and so clearly, you know, he is willing, you know, to not let player reputations and egos get in the way of who he puts on the field and it's good to see that he has a pretty good system in mind and the players have a pretty good understanding of what they need to do to get a win in these situations and I would add that there was a second shape change in the 88th 89th minute when Mo Adams came for Ezekiel Barco where the team went to a 5-4-1 straight up five men in the back Jeff Mm -hmm. Lorenowitz dropped in uh, added another defender and, and you went to a 5-4-1 at that point. So again, Frank DeBoer, like you are saying, Sam, showing that he has a plan that he's analyzed uh, how to get this team tactically through these matches, even though maybe he didn't show his hand so much in the regular season where right. we maybe were calling yeah. him stubborn, sticking with the same system. But clearly he had an idea in these situations going into the postseason of how to make uh, adjustments and, and maybe play a mo- little more pragmatically. And certainly saw it against New England team that have a lot of good attacking players and, and you end up with the clean sheet. I think it's funny that, at least in the first half, what I noticed was, uh, remember last week where we talked about what we thought New England would do? And mm-hmm. it turns out you were probably more right than I was. Well, I think it was actually in, a little in between what we I, both said, I, to be I, fair I to you, too, Eric. But yeah. I thought I thought I felt validated when I saw the way Gressel and, and even Miriam were essentially pushed back. And for the most of the first half, it was a it was a it was a uh, a five man back line with Gressel and, and Miriam because they just didn't have the space to go forward. Miriam maybe a little more so than than Gressel, but I remember Gressel saying after the match that they did a really good job of uh, uh, keeping him. Not necessarily isolated in the way in a way that he, he couldn't really get the ball and he couldn't really do anything with it when he when he yeah. when he did get they it. Did they did much they had, better. They had a good they did a good job of actually covering him, make sure that that he didn't have the the space that that he normally has. That's one thing you mentioned at the game, which in effect drew him back into that into the onto into the back line. Again, Miram not as much, but he still had to come back and defend, and he was deeper than I think he would have wanted to. Um, it's funny because had they done the opposite and just conceded possession, they would have found themselves with much more space going yeah. forward because mm-hmm. Gressel and Miriam would have both been drawn up. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a it, again, it's um, it, it's fun to fun to really analyze this game in that in that context because it just the 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 minute that shift happened, and I saw someone mention that Tito was the reason. Tito wasn't the reason. The, the change in formation was the reason. Yeah, Tito just happened to find himself in a bunch of space because all of a sudden there's more people going forward, mm-hmm. not because Tito's Tito. 
Tito's a no credit for Tito. What a surprise! Tito, Tito doing as well as he as he did, and having himself in that much space is a product of circumstance, not a product of Tito being Tito. He had his moments. I'm not saying he didn't. Give him some credit. I'm giving him some credit. Just saying it wasn't a tactical. I'm giving him some credit. I'm giving more credit to Frank DeBoer. If we're in the the giving credit phase of of the podcast, I would like to give credit. To at least in the first half, the back line, and even in the second half. No, I think the whole way. Well, I'm yeah. just saying how they dealt with um, Gustavo Bo, Bunbury, and, uh, you know, Pena. I and Heal as well. Yeah, I mean, just especially, and, and you've got to throw Guzan in here because Guzan's save on Pena. Yeah. I mean, that, that, if you talk about moments of the game, number one was the goal, obviously. Number two is that save. You know, I mean, it was a beautiful. Let's talk about that goal real quick. Or that save, sorry. <laughs> yeah. That save real quick. Okay. <laughs> Huge mistake. I can't, by Perez I can't get over how oh bad gosh. Perez oh. in, his, in, in his worst moment. Like oh. his bad oh. moments are are absolutely. Yeah, just so horrific. if anyone hasn't seen the replay, basically he follows Bunbury like five steps behind the rest of the back line and leaves him on side. Because if you remember that play, everyone is like, "How was he not offside?" And then you look back, it's because Perez follows him five steps behind everybody. And he actually the other big chance in the half came when he overran a ball and it bounced over that's his head. That's the one I'm thinking of. Allowed oh, the counter. And then he, and then because that's, that that's the one that leaded to yeah. the save, right? No, not that. It's a different different situation. Sorry. The, so the Pania, the one that leads to the save from Pania outside the box, uh, where Guzan makes that save, is when he over he runs forward. It comes from our corner and the ball bounces over his head. Yeah, and that's what I thought. Yeah, exactly. The other one, uh, I think, uh, maybe you're referring to a different shot, Sam. Were you talking to the Pania shot? Well, and I'm then- talking about the one. Uh, so Pania's shot obviously was the one that I wanted to talk about. The great save. Okay, yeah, that, that also, comes from the LGP mess up where the ball goes. I'm, over I his was head. also thinking about the, the one where okay. he, like you could see him turn around. You're right. I'm sorry. In disgust. Like, I miss, yeah. there, there's one where like that. It's something like LGP has caught completely out of position, and I remember him slowly turning around, like like dropping his shoulders and like knowing that he had completely royally screwed Th- up. Thankfully, Michael Parker knows how to position himself better yeah. than anyone, and thankfully, Nathan screwed that. Thing up, but my gosh, I, I not five minutes before that happened, I tweeted out, "I'm just waiting for the LGP mess up." And where is it coming? And where he, is the mistake? He actually had a, going. He had a couple. He had a horrible first half. So I guess, I, I, and that my fault, Sam. You were talking about the Pania. The other save uh, on Bunbury in the first half, where he has a left-footed shot from inside the box, and Guzan's able to right. hold it because right. it's Till Bunbury shooting, and he's not the best player. <laughs> uh, that that came from LGP running five steps behind the rest of the back line who are defending like like maybe three or four steps outside of the 18 and for some reason he follows Bunbury all the way behind the back line and leaves him on side so he had a really really rough first half and like you guys said having Michael Parkhurst doing a lot of what we were afraid would go away because Miles Robinson wasn't in the lineup fortunately Parkhurst was was able to take care of business I, in that position Looking looking ahead, and we can go back to to the New England match if we need to. I don't think uh, we really need to. But it, looking ahead, the I, I'm so nervous about what's coming up with against Philadelphia mm-hmm. because it's LGP, because it's Pogba. And look, LGP has had amazing two years. This third year, however, has just been absolutely horrific for him. You think horrific? Time and time again. Compared, compared to the first two years where we thought he was a superhero. I think he's still one of the better We thought he was a superhero bad defensively. This and is it's had the, so many bad moments this year. This is probably the worst year he's had for That's all I'm saying. Still comparatively been, well, comparatively well, speaking. He went from horrific to that. Comparatively okay. speaking, it's been horrific. 
Oh, compared. Okay. Compared well, to well, speaking, now, now that horrific. you throw that caveat in there, yeah, I, that, that that's what I'm saying. We only have three hard. years to go off of. I mean, what am I going to compare it to? His time at some other club? I think what we need to worry about is the personnel. Who's going to be in this game? What do we see? Does this mean Lorenowitz plays center back and Ormetti goes into the midfield? I think a lot of these questions that need to be asked are ones that make a lot of Atlanta United fans very, very nervous. Yeah, because I mean, you assume you assume that Parkhurst is out. Frank DeBorsk already oh, come Parkhurst out. Parkhurst is already out. Is they assume, well? They said he probably he's an official. Yeah, he's out for all intents and purposes. Yeah. So then, uh, then also obviously Frank DeBoer saying Miles Robinson won't be back. So you could still go with a three-man line of Pierez, Pogba, Escobar, and then uh, uh, Miram left wing. By the way, Josh, I've got a tweet here from, uh, from on the uh, right. our man Doug earlier. Uh, this yeah. Morning, Doug Robertson. Uh, FDB has confirmed no Robinson oh, or Parker. Oh, confirmed? Okay. Okay, good. So our man, okay. Doug Robertson of the AJC, as always. Or Roberson, excuse me, stepping uh, That's stepping up. Is it Robertson or Roberson? I'm never going to say his name right. Anyways. <laughs> he, 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 he says he doesn't care. I think he does. I he tells me, and I still forget. Oh, he every definitely time. cares. So, <laughs> so, uh, and, and so last week I was very, I felt very confident you were still going to see a three because I knew that I felt that Parkhurst, based on what we saw last season, is comfortable anchoring the three man back line. He's not as fast as Miles Robinson, but he's smart and savvy enough where he can pick his angles right and, and he can cover for the guys around him. Now he's out. So, you could go with that same kind of system that we just talked about that led to the goal with your playing four in the back uh, with Pogba and Escobar. I, I don't. What a mess. I, I don't. I don't. Look, if it's three in the back, then you've got then three, you've, got, you've got three Leroy Jenkins sitting there in the back line. Like that's <laughs> oh, that, that's that's one hundred percent what's going to happen. You're going to have random guys flying up the field doing God knows what. Look, if, if <laughs> I, I see, I, I also don't know what what. Uh, uh, what Frank DeBoer has done to prepare, maybe not intentionally, but prepare for this situation. Like, has he has he looked at what Lorenowitz looks like at center back in case you want to go to a back four? Or maybe you don't want to start Pogba and maybe you throw Lorenowitz in that position. Like, have you, have you seen anything else from anyone else that shows that maybe they're a little more competent than a Pogba, than an LGP in the middle of that three-man back line? I, I, I would hope... But I'm I'm doubtful. I mean, Frank DeBoer asked Doug Robertson if 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 he could play center back. <laughs> oh, yes, <laughs> that's how desperate we are for center backs right now. But I mean, you look at it though. It's like I know you you were saying three man back line, but and we made the mistake you and I did anyway of assuming that Land United was going to be a back four last week. Does these changes, these injuries, whatever, is that going to force them into starting a back four as opposed to a back three? I mean that. It it's could. the same conversation as last week. Exactly, we're, we're, but I think there's more because now you're missing Parkhurst and you had yeah. some success in, in when you switched to a back four. I don't in the think last you match. can play Parkhurst. I mean, not Park. I don't think you can play Jeff Lorenowitz in a back three uh-huh. as like a center. But you know what I mean. I think you have to have like him and well, LGP as Pierre a partnership as, so that he can have some cover. Pierez would surely be the and again. You kind of worry about a guy who makes mistakes being the guy assigned to cover for his left and right center back. But Pierez would most likely be the anchor of that three with Pogba on the left center back, Franco Escobar at right center back. At the same time, that does give you, if you do have injuries, that does give you a little more of a safety blanket because you have the extra center back. But then you wonder, are you going to try to play a little more with John with your wing backs? And, and, and play more of a five-back? Well, Julian Gressel and Justin Miram, I don't think you want them back doing it, a lot of 1v1 defending. As open as this game, I feel like, is going to be, 
this one much more open than 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 what we what we saw against New England. Basel, we saw in Philadelphia against the Red Bulls. I just think these guys are gonna get smoked. Like I I hope for the best, but I think these guys are gonna get smoked. If it's if it's Pogba, LGP, and Escobar, and I think a back three with those three is probably the more likely scenario to start out. Do we agree or no? That what? That back uh, three? That Pogba, LGP, and Escobar yeah, would be that's the, the more likely likely trio to start yeah, in the back line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the more. That's what Frank DeBoer is probably going to go with. Not the players individually, but just a three man back line with those guys. I, I think mean, it, yeah. if that's the case, then I think I think Atlanta gets smoked. I don't know what the, what different solution you can offer. I think I think all three of those guys would have to play out of their minds on Thursday. To not, I mean, they could they can't make a mistake. They have no cover. I mean, you'd have to be as disciplined as you've ever yeah, been. I mean, and they did a good job of that in the first half against New England. But I think that was more a product of Gressel and, and Miriam being forced back as opposed to them being able to do what they want going forward. Atlanta United does have a few advantages in the sense of their game was much earlier. Um, in fact, wasn't a Red Bulls and a Philly on uh, Sunday? Yeah, you had 24 hours. 24 hours and, and they played extra time. 120 minutes plus Alejandro Bedoya looking like he got uh, they're saying yeah, yeah. he's going to play but he's not going to be 100%. Injury, they, yeah. they, probably, they probably took the day off yesterday. I, I would assume they took the day off, well, Monday, sorry. Um, they'll probably practice they probably practice today, Tuesday. They'll probably fly tomorrow. If not practice in the morning, then then fly early and practice yeah. later in the evening. And Thursday's the match. So they've had one good training session, two after, either before or after some kind of flight. Who knows if chartered or not. And I would assume at this point you're flying chartered. It just depends. Some people have already used them. It, it just I mean, no, but the playoffs that you don't—that was a reset for like the there's, playoffs. There's no, there's no point in speculating because it. it I mean, either way, <laughs> no one knows. They probably have to um, Uber there. Yes. <laughs> Look, it's it's it. That's a after playing 120 minutes, that's that's a tough task for anybody. But they're gonna play this game wide. Well, I mean, I don't know. Now that I think about it, maybe they don't play as wide open I as mean, they want to. I still think I still week. think they I still think they do. I still think they play as wide open as they did against the Red Bulls. Which is going to be a problem for Atlanta United, I think. Well, we said last week about Miles. We'll say it again this week. About and I would normally, Bedoya. sorry, I would nor I would normally say the opposite that it, it would favor Atlanta United. But given the given the back three, I would say avoid as open as a game as as you saw with Philadelphia by and the, Red Bulls. By the same token, though, I think if you're Atlanta United, and with this again, this is similar to what we talked about with New England going into Atlanta last week. I mean, I think you say also, well, that's not a great. Back, not a bad, but not a great back line. We have good attacking players. Maybe we should play open and try to win 4 2. Try to win 4 3. I mean, maybe that's your better chance than sitting back and absorbing pressure with a three that have never really played together uh, all season long. So I, I think that Atlanta United, maybe you say, all right, let's make the match open. Let's make this wild uh, and, and see what happens because we are confident with Joseph Martinez and the form Barco's in and obviously Gressel. And then you've got guys. You know, assuming come off the bench like a Tito Vijalba that can change things. You say, okay, let's play open. But you look at you Philly, score though, one two, we you, score three four. You look at Philly and their ability to play open, and Alejandro Bedoya is a huge part of that. And you know, we said it last week. We'll say it again this week on soft tissue damage. You know, the the uh, only thing you can really do for it is wait, you know, yeah, time. And, yeah. and we we just don't know how severely injured. Uh, Alejandro Bedoya is, but it says it here on, on the comments, and, and I'll even take it a step further. You know, he did not look good when they pulled him out of that game. Uh, it looked bad. So uh, that, that could be a huge thing uh, for this game, although they have a, a ton of young talent on that Philly roster. You know, they already smoked Atlanta United once 
uh, this season, and I came away very impressed with them in that game. Yeah, and I think, but I and I would, if I had to guess, I think we'll see Bedoya. The one that's really interesting to me that didn't play in the first round because of a foot injury from a few weeks ago is Casper Casper uh, Shabilko, who is an absolute monster. Uh, up top for Philadelphia and if you remember that game where Atlanta went to Philadelphia and it was a good game but Philadelphia just poured it on the last mm-hmm. 20 minutes or so he was an absolute terror for the defense to deal with and that was a match where you were a little stronger in the back line and he's a guy who can score goals but he also has really good link up play so he's a player that can draw two or three of those center backs to him and then distribute to someone else to get forward mm-hmm. so that's a big uh, you know we talk about Bedoya who I would guess uh, would play since you know it's not a serious injury, although maybe he won't be a hundred percent. But the big one I'm looking for is Shabilka coming off the foot injury, who is it's looking like basically a 50-50 uh, that he's going to get in the lineup. So we'll certainly look to see if he travels with them. And I think he's the one that would really you know in terms of what you're talking about, Eric, how to expose that Atlanta defense. I think he's the one that can really, really do it between his hold-up play and ability to score goals. I do think one thing, though, when you're talking about this team in Philadelphia, in names we haven't mentioned yet, they are very deep in the attack. They, they, I mean, re- they you, really you are. You throw Aronson in there, you throw Ilsenio in there. I mean, Marco I mean, Fabian they, came off the bench. Marco Fabian. I mean, in the, in the first exactly. round. If not so, for their I mean, bench, they don't win this game. I'm still amazed Montero's at how they won that been game. great. Ilsenio came off the bench, too, in that yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. Fabian you know, and Ilsenio on the bench. Like, this God. is also a team, I thought Nag, one thing that's not going uh, mentioned much from the first round, Nagby and Laurenta, which were a fantastic center Absolutely. midfield pairing, they're going to have to deal that, with that diamond. That's true, and maybe Laurenta isn't there. Uh, but then you know you deal. You look at the diamond midfield that uh, Philadelphia play, and Sam, you kind of just mentioned a bunch of those guys. But also, you know, Harris Madunian is really good. I think Amiro Montero has been like an absolute revelation this year. They are very, very, very strong through the middle. And, it, it, you know, Nagby and Laurentowitz, as good as they were against New England, this is going to be a whole different kettle of fish for them. And, and, and it might be a situation what? where... <laughs> What's a saying? A whole different kettle of fish. I don't you, think I've heard. You that. haven't heard that before. Oh well. Anyways, so, but but I think that um, it, it's going to be a lot more difficult for them to control the center of midfield dealing with that diamond, and it's something that Frank DeBoer has basically had to adjust to both times that Lenny United has played Philadelphia. He's even specifically mentioned it. So that being said, that I think was the first time Nagby and Lorenzo what's paired. Uh, against Philadelphia, I know Remedi uh, had a horror show, uh, and and that was one of the last games that he started uh, against Philadelphia last time uh, when when Philadelphia beat Atlanta. So it's going to be interesting to watch the teams match up through the center. Uh, and whereas I thought that New England match would be one in the wide areas, the players we just talked about, Keel, Pania, Gressel, uh, Miram, I think this match maybe is more so one through the middle. So Curtin said last week that Shabilko was going to actually be start well. Uh, the quote is fully involves him starting. Wow. Um, the news for, today for is the game for the game against New England. Uh, sorry, uh, against the Red Bulls. Mm-hmm. He didn't play a minute, so I got to think that that was probably just posturing by him. He didn't. Uh, he didn't dress either. I don't believe. Right. So I got to think that you're going to hear some of the same sort of comments this week uh, if they haven't already been said. Um, only to find out that maybe he comes off the bench or maybe doesn't play at all. But yeah, not having him. 
Look, I, I don't expect Andre Blake to play as badly as he did. Oh, what a disaster! I he could was. not yeah. believe how bad that he was. That was one of the, the worst, worst goalkeeping performances you'll ever see in the postseason. Yeah, uh, I can't imagine he's going to be that bad against Atlanta United. I, I saw that would be nice. I don't know if it was a tweet or whatever, but someone someone mentioned, you know, watch, he's going to be an absolute monster against us after having a, a horror show of a game where they should have lost. They should have lost after giving up three goals the way you gave up. You should have lost that game. But anyways. It was funny, I did it's, see, I think it was uh, our man Aaron Bauer on uh, Twitter, big Red Bulls fan, was like, uh, it's going to take four goals to win this game, like when they were already up like <laughs> two to one or something, and I was like, I was like, man, that's a pretty, and then you see right. what happened, yep. it's like, ooh, right. you burned yourself, <laughs> ouch. Well, all I know is Chris Armas blew it, that's, uh, I think, can we just, I don't think he actually did, but let's just agree to uh, that, that, that that's it, what yeah. happened. Yeah, that Chris Armas blew it. That Playoff, was, playoff Chris is not like playoff Frank. That was a okay. cr- crazy, crazy game. It was a nuts game, absolutely. You, you, you bail out Andre Blake. You look if there's a if there's a game you want to rally your your kind of the, the the final stretch of your season around this that was it mm-hmm. that that could propel them into a a level of play oh, that, absolutely. that we're going to happen to be right in front well, of. Well, you've got players like you know Pico scored the yeah. game time goal, stepping up. Not necessarily your big name, big draw, you know, player. And that's the thing they they're super deep and they're a team that has uh, been been very good and consistent all season long. And you know what's super interesting also is you know you mentioned Pico, he came off the bench, so. It, Philadelphia kind of does something similar to what Frank DeBoer did in terms of switching the shape in like the 60th minute. They kind of do it routinely where they bring El Senio on. Uh, usually, what's that? A skill senior. Skill senior. Excuse me for for one of those two forwards or Fafa Pico who can play up top or as a wide player. I love that name. So, so the they way. kind of go from a four four two to more of a four three three by design almost every single match in like the 60th, 65th minute. It's been something Jim Curtin's done all year. So that'll be interesting also in terms of looking for Philadelphia. We're talking about Atlanta, you know, shifting the shape. Philadelphia does that pretty much routinely, week to week, every single match. And it's going to be a similar dynamic where you're going to see wide players and uh, perhaps Pico, but certainly Ilsenio coming on uh, with fresh legs in like the 60th, 65th minute and try to change the dynamic. So that'll be an interesting part of this match too. I think for Atlanta, they got to be up... I mean, it's got to be a. Single. You're gonna have to score more than one yeah. goal. That's for sure. You got it. I almost want to say you got to be early up, too. You want. Yeah. You got You want to be up at least one, preferably two. I know ideally you'd want to always want to be up two goals, but I two goals around the 60th minute when they start making subs, because again, as tired as this back line is going to be, I don't trust them at all in the last 30 minutes. Hmm. I don't trust them at all. Every possession Philadelphia is going to have. I'm if, if we're in, if we're tied, if we're if we're leading by one, even if we're leading by two, I'm still going to be absolutely freaking nervous. Any possession after the 60th minute, especially if they've made or are going to make those subs in in the near future, I, I just I don't trust the way Atlanta United can can be. I don't trust them closing out a match right now. I don't I don't trust them up one nothing, seeing it all the way through the 90th oh, especially minute. Especially with the defense, the way it that's is. what I'm saying. Like yeah. there's there's no there's no way anyone can trust this back line right now. They're going to make a mistake. I I wouldn't be surprised if you see a PK at some point for Philadelphia. Like it's going to be a ho- it could be a host. Like god forbid LGP gets a red or Pogba does something stupid that earns him a red cuz then we're screwed. One and this the, is all stuff that absolutely could happen. One of the they, saving you'd be, you're out of your mind if you think that this is not there's not a possibility this could happen. I'm not saying it's going to, but you're out of your mind if you think that this can't happen. Well, it'd be much more likely to happen on the road too. So Atlanta United has to be very, you know, thankful for Atlanta United fans have to be very thankful that the team beat, you know, New England in that last game of the regular season to lock up that two spots. Yeah. If this game was in Philadelphia, ooh. 
Yeah. I think least, it might go similar to what happened last time you were there. And that's why if I'm Atlanta United, I'm thinking, I'm going for it. I'm trying to score some goals. Philadelphia have You're not, at home, absolutely. The last clean sheet. And so I, with, that, with that in mind, would you go with a four-man uh, four back line? No, I would play. I would play the three, and I would. I would go. I would go. Miram and Gressel because get I'd, forward. I'd be tempted. And, uh, and th- what you can do, Eric, and this is something that I would be tempted to throw Lorenzo in the back four. And Josh is your three Pogba. Um, yeah, uh, LGP. Uh, uh, yeah. Escobar. And what I would do, and, and Frank DeBoer did this in the last match, even with a little bit more of uh, of a better back back three, was you just have Jeff Lorenowitz just sit, and then it be then it be it can become a back you know as a defensive midfielder. Then it can become a back four whenever you want. Then it allows the wing players to go up a little higher, and he can drop in. So there are still ways around it where you can maintain balance. But I'm looking at Philadelphia Union. They have not had a clean sheet since May 19th. Wow. How is that possible? And it was a nil-nil draw. Because they score a lot. That's the thing. <laughs> How is that possible? I had, to re- I had to go through this list like several times to make sure well, it's as, true. I, I mean, as open as they play all the time, it, it wouldn't surprise but, me. But, 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 I mean, Atlanta United play open. You're not leaking goals. But, that again, that's why I'm saying, look. Atlanta United don't play open. What you, are you talking you're about, at home. Josh? Atlanta United have the super. super you, you're super at man. home. Ball you have the better goal scorer in Joseph Martinez. You have the better playmaker in Ezekiel Barco. You, you're, you're used to playing an aggressive attacking shape. You're playing a team that doesn't defend well. You're at home. Go after them, and if you concede one or two, go score score four or five. That's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking. If I'm Frank DeBoer, I'm not going to rely on a on a on a back three that hasn't played uh, really together all year. I'm not going to rely on telling uh, Julian Gressel and Justin Miram to do things they're not very good at and play deeper and and try to defend one v one a lot. I know I'm going up against a team that doesn't defend well themselves. Go after them and. There's no reason Atlanta United shouldn't be confident that they can't outscore Philadelphia Union at home uh, with 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 the better goal scorer and the best playmaker on the field in Joseph Martinez and Ezekiel Barco. Conference semifinal match on Thursday, October 24th, 8 p.m. kick. Wevis. Probably like 8.15, 8.20, but you get the point. Who's doing the spike? Mm. I don't know. I mean, how are you going to top Rick Flair? Rick Flair, that was incredible. I loved all. I loved the that build was up. great. I loved the build up, yeah. And the hype. Eric's you, out you, here. Know, you know, you know, he would. You know, he was going to do it. But it's like to see it happen in an Atlanta United match and Atlanta United jersey, all that stuff. It was. It was awesome. Yeah, that Eric's was out cool. here fraudulent though. Look, I, I look. I, I don't. I don't watch wrestling. I do respect the Ric Flair though. <laughs> he tweets in all caps, Ric Flair, and I wanted to quote tweet and be like, fraud. You don't I, know I truly. Him. I no. I know who he is. We've had him. I believe on the. We've had him on the station here before. It's uh, yeah, he's kind of famous. Yeah, no, so. I know that. Okay. I know what I know his I know this his well, sure. you know, I know a, his I know his I know his thing. He's a limousine riding, jet flying, kiss stealing, wheeling dealing son of a gun. Yeah, indeed. I, I, that that's Rolex the best. wearing. What's the other ones? Uh, Rolex wearing is one of them too. Yeah, there's a bunch of them. Yeah. The, I, that's that's the best. Uh, has any, nothing's topped that. Have they in terms of, of uh, so the only thing I can think of is like, it's not it, it's he? not it's not the same thing. But and I forget what game it was. It was I don't think it was. MLS Cup, but whenever uh, CeeLo did the national anthem, I thought that was pretty. That was pretty cool. cool. Yeah, didn't uh, and, and at the same, I know different things, but I, I just thought that was equally as cool. Mm-hmm. Well, was that for? Uh, I don't. I remember that. Was that for though. MLS Cup or was that for Columbus in 2017? I don't remember. I, truly I definitely remember that. that uh, maybe someone in the YouTube stream can help us out. Well, that was uh, that was that was super cool. I'm still going with Ric Flair though. I mean, like Sam said, the the, the presentation. The, I mean, they just a perfect guy to have out there to get pumped before the well, game between like big boys done it before so i mean that's obviously I'm trying to think who, who else who else and i 
Killer Rick, Mike's Rick, done the Rick, Golden Spike. So, I mean, you've had some pretty big Atlanta. Atlanta the, the, the front office guys in, in the press box, they hyped it up to be, like, the best thing. And I'm not saying it wasn't. The best thing that, that they've done so far. And I thought it was fantastic. Well, I mean, you but they, love but they mentioned, in giving us clues, they mentioned that he didn't have a, a direct Atlanta connection. So I'm wondering if they kind of continue that trend. Not purposely, but they just have, because I, I think at this point the whole world's open at this well, point. Well, Ric Flair has adopted Atlanta as like his No, yeah, I know that. I know that. But yeah, no, you're right. He didn't have that connection. to be weird to see if they could go oh, outside the, the sorry, box. The little girl, uh, what was her name? The little girl did MLS Cup. Oh, the anthem singer. Yes. Yeah, I remember so her. So it wasn't CeeLo. I forget what CeeLo did. Whatever. It was fa- It was amazing. It was amazing. Hey, um, CeeLo Green, man. Of course it's amazing. Any final thoughts before we wrap it up? Should we make predictions? I don't want to. Yeah, it's just sad because Atlanta <laughs> United aren't going into this game full strength. And this one's a toss up for it's, me. Yeah, it's, I, I think I think I think it would home be. field advantage. I think it's worth. A goal. And I would say it's Trab- worth at if, least if, like one. If Trabilco doesn't play for Philadelphia, that that really, I mean, you want to talk about not playing at full That'd strength. Huge, that yeah. hurts them, and not only that, it makes it easier for where Atlanta is weaker, playing kind of with a broken down back line. I think if the game is as opened as 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 it was against the Red Bulls for Philadelphia, then I think that Atlanta has a chance. I don't expect a clean sheet. So you're like seem the most pessimistic of the three of us I, about this match. If if you had Michael Parkhurst, if you had Miles Robinson, one or the other, I wouldn't be as pessimistic. I just think that they are prone to mistakes all the time this year. That worries me. Yeah, but you could say the same thing about Philadelphia. As, yeah, sure. I, yeah, I, mean, I, I get you, but but and it'll come down to a matter of who can finish your chances more yeah. than the other. I think so. I I I assume Atlanta are going to get their chances. I think that uh, I don't know. I think Barco. Uh, I, I, you just got to you just got to finish your chances. If Atlanta decides to go in and finish your chances, I think they win. I mean, it does feel like one of those types of. That, seem, I mean, that seems it, like an obvious way to, to kind of analyze. Yeah, but it, in but some ways, the New England match was like that too. Although there weren't as a ton of chances overall, but you look at a couple moments for New England that could have gone it, yeah. different. Yeah, and it, and certainly I thought uh, Atlanta overall had the better chances, but certainly there were moments where New England would could have t- think, taken think, the lead. I think you need to you need to have a combination of of Guzan really stepping up, making sure this defense is organized. I think that that Frank DeBoer. And the people around this back line are going to have to t- have a serious conversation about. Look, you can't you can't take risks because you guys are way too prone to mistakes. <laughs> I don't know if that's a conversation the professionals have amongst each other, but you got to have. Well, it. I think well, I feel like it's a Pugba conversation with Pires every week. If Pogba didn't take a risk last game, Atlanta United doesn't score that. It goal. wasn't a risk. Yes, it, it was, was. part of the no, plan. No, no, but it's still it was a part risk. of the plan. Still a risk to expose that side risk. of the field. It is a yeah calculated, but it was still a risk. It's, but then, I, but you're see, talking I, more about Pires running forward and the ball bouncing over his that's head. That's what I'm type, talking about. Yeah, I'm talking yeah, about yeah. Pires going on a seventy on a seventy yard run. You mean dumb risks on a seventy yard run that ends in a goal kick when he's at the five yard inside the five yard box, a six yard box. I'm talking about Franco Escobar losing the ball in a position where he's he's more than capable of losing the losing the ball. I'm talking about Pogba. You know, trying to trying to high kick someone and accidentally <laughs> getting a red card. All this stuff is absolutely feasible. Miles Robinson, we didn't see a lot of that from it barely ever that. that. Michael Robinson, uh, Michael Robinson, Michael Parkhurst uh, is is amazing at getting himself in a position where he can at least uh, um, hold off the danger as 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 much as he can until he gets help. Yeah, such a wily veteran that he knows exactly. where he needs to be. LGP is, yeah. is too much of a wild child. Pogba is too much of an unknown on a game to game basis. Frank, Franco Escobar is at least consistent in what he does. 
is at least going to go forward. He's going to do solid defensively. He might be prone to a mistake or two, but he's not going to be as often or as ridiculous as LGP and Pogba. That's my concern. I think I think you're I think you're crazy if you're not as nervous as I am about that. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that the game, all three of them have the game of their lives, and we don't have to worry. We have a clean sheet, and we're we're talking about going to. Uh, 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 the conference finals. Because to be fair, I mean, we were. I hope, like, we like were I want having, that to be the case. We were I having do. a similar discussion going into New England. I mean, I never thought you would have. I mean, granted, Parkhurst is uh, was nice to have, but going into that, we're thinking, I don't I also, know if I you mean, get through this back three with that attack of New England. So, and Michael Parkhurst had one of the better games of his of of, of his time at with Atlanta United, my sure. career, but his time with Atlanta United, I thought he was spectacular. I didn't expect that. Again, yeah, I, I don't I, think anyone I might, did. I might not. Ex- I, I'm, I don't expect LGP Pogba to have the greatest game of their lives coming up. Yeah, I expect a couple mistakes that lead to really good chances. Well, a big and part it depends of this. On, it depends on Philadelphia can it can capitalize on those chances. And I think a big part of this, then, and this is something you did so well against New England, is you know you guys mentioned the Brad Guzan save on Pania. That's still a shot from outside the box. And yeah. I think you look at New England where they took a lot of their shots from. The box, yeah. A lot of them are outside the box. So maybe you just have to kind of accept that you know you're not going to be able, like you said, Eric, you can't just press up into midfield all the time, sometimes absorb the pressure a little bit, and rely on Brad Guzan to make that save from 20-25 yards. And if they stick it in the upper 90, you just tip your cap, and uh, and, and that's just how it's going to be. I'm more confident in in in, in uh, Frank DeBoer preparing his team to accomplish whatever they can accomplish at their best. Well, that's profound. I think I think I think Frank DeBoer is going to find a way to take his team and be like, look, and to see if they lose, and if they lose horribly, I'm not going to put it. No matter what decision he makes in game, unless it's just like unless it's like, Guzan up top. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh yeah. Unless he does something absolutely stupid like that, I can't fault him for any decision he makes because he's working with with absolutely nothing yeah, right now. Yeah, the limited deck here. No, I totally he's, agree he's, with he's, that. He doesn't have a lot to work with. He doesn't have a lot of tactical flexibility. I think in this match because of the the limits at center back or, or defenders altogether. So I mean, what what. There's not a lot you can do. You kind of you kind of you kind of put push out the last couple pieces you have and then just hope for the best and then just prepare that those players the best way he can, the best way that makes sense uh against the Philadelphia yeah. against the Philadelphia Union, which hopefully, at least in my eyes means, look, you guys are defenders. Don't cross midfield or whatever. Something like that. Like you need to make I need, I need them to play as simple as possible as 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 I think conservative the, as possible. I don't want LGP flying up the field yeah, trying to get I a header. I think that's the that main bounces five feet in front the of the main directive is don't press out of the back unless you that's embarrassing you're confident you're going to win the ball. <laughs> um, yeah, just stay there, just stay back. But at the same time, I, I, I mean, my you, head dropped as soon as I saw that ball go over LGP. Uh, but LGP's you, head. you guys talk about injuries. I mean, this is the most healthy the team has been in attack all year to the point where you're bringing Tito Vijalba off the true. bench and PT Martinez doesn't even get into the game. What do you mean so. the point you bring Tito off the bench? He's been coming off the bench all year, even when we have. But now. this is the first time that you've been healthy and you can play him. You can bring PT off the bench. You have the situation where you can flop PT or PT off the bench. You can bring you can you can bring Hindman <laughs> into the match as well um, if he was not to start. So you. You have options in attack, uh, and I think that quite clearly, I mean, it does, it's a shame that you don't have your best uh, choice across the the defense. But I think I, this is not a broken down ragtag no, lineup. No, no, no. It's and I'm, very, that's, not, that's not what I'm saying. It's, it's, it's just it's just a couple of positions in the back, and I think you can gain 
regain some of that balance there by having Jeff Lerner do what Frank DeBoer is having him do, just sit right in front of the back three, and then if one of those guys goes crazy and presses high up, he can sit in for and cover for them. Or if you're getting countered and you need four back instead of three because uh, Gressel and Miram are not coming back to defend the wide areas, then he slides in as a center back, and uh, uh, Escobar is a right center back, moves over to the right, and Pogba's left center back moves over over to the left. That's how you can morph your shape within the match to have the numbers back defensively to do to deal with um to, to to deal with a very good attacking team in Philadelphia. So I still I still don't think it's I'm not horrified. I mean I'm more scared of Philadelphia's quality than I am of Atlanta's lack of it in defense because I think the Lorenowitz part of this gives you the balance to deal with it, and I just think you look so good going forward. Uh, and are so for the first time have your full array of players available that you're going to be able to score enough goals where I think you can maybe make up for any disadvantage uh, that you're going to have def- trying to defend Philadelphia anyway. Did Eric say final thoughts like 20 minutes ago? Maybe like five. Did he? <laughs> uh, no, collect- that's 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 our special Co- thing. Collectively, right? collectively, I think that they're 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 a train wreck all together. It's like three three mm. friends that absolutely destroy think, each other's lives that's on, harsh? On, a, on, a, on a Friday night. I. We'll see. Well, I think individually they're capable of playing the positions they're. Those put are in. some of my best friends, Eric. So. I think collectively they're they're a disaster. <laughs> my have. life is often destroyed we on Friday see. night. I hope I'm wrong. I I want to be wrong, but given the mistakes LGP has made, given the mistakes that Pogba is capable of, I just I there are going to be moments for Philadelphia Union. That's up to Philadelphia to capitalize on those moments. Um, and so that's that's on them. But yeah. I still think those moments are going to happen. I still think they're going to. Oh, have they're going to happen. They're going to have plenty of opportunities to score. Uh, it, it, like you said, it's up to, I, I, I'm with you. I think it's up to Atlanta United to score more than Philadelphia. And I think you do have to accept that. I get that's the general premise of sports, it, but yeah. just relax, morons. Philadelphia is going to have chances, uh, but uh, a big part of it, like I said earlier, is going to be Shabelko, whether I'm not, he plays or not. I'm not going to give a super specific like scoreline prediction or anything. I'm going to say I think Atlanta United are going to win a wild game. I think this does turn into one of those. Uh, kind of open contest because of the way Philadelphia likes to play and because it's a one-off game so you know you can't really drop back in this kind of you know set I mean you you know if one team starts running forward and they score you know, you've got to go after it so I feel like this will be a wild game I think Atlanta wins because they're playing at home and they're a very good home team all I gotta say is Joseph don't get a yellow card. Oh yeah, that's the other thing. Someone yeah, put this up on Twitter. His shirt should be taped to his chest if he scores, so he doesn't take it off. I mean, Eastern Lorenzo Conference. Lorenzo's on a yellow too. Eastern Conference Finals without Joseph. I don't care who you're playing. You I, need, what a I, need, I need terrible, I need, stupid I need yellow card. I need the supporters the group TIFO idea to get scrapped. We need a TIFO of of a, just a white sign that says Joseph. Keep, keep your shirt, Joseph. You're on a yellow. Joseph. That's the TIFO. Why, uh, why aren't we concerned about Lorenowitz taking his shirt off? That's what. That's fine. Yeah, we don't care. Joseph, well, we definitely care. Just, just not going a, to do a, it. A, a, a massive, do a it. massive sheet, and all it says is Joseph. You're on a yellow. That's it. That'd be the greatest TIFO we sure ever made. I'm sure it'll be something that's mentioned to him. And uh, th- uh, that that yellow card was absolutely disgraceful. That he received there a yellow, a yellow for simulation when there's contact, and it's just another example of MLS officials just not understanding how to officiate creative players and not realizing that I those forgot. players draw contact and go down. PRO, if you don't want to call it, that's fine. That doesn't make it simulation, you idiot. And now Joseph Martinez is in a tough situation where he could be suspended for the conference finals. So just th- that that was. Hopefully, it won't matter. But that call was just ter- absolutely terrible. Uh, and I thought otherwise decent refereed match 
uh, from Kevin Stott, but he was clearly not showing yellows. For, for, like I said, Ezekiel Barkley was fouled five times. I thought New I, England fouled ten times in the first half. They were shown, I think, one yellow card for persistent infringement throughout the match. So if you're clearly keeping your yellows in your pocket because you don't want players to get suspended down the line in the postseason, I'm cool with that. But then you can't come with that quick trigger for yeah, simulation when, when, when there was contact. Like, how could you be have been that sure? I just thought that sort of inconsistency was... For, aside from that fact it was a bad call, it went against the way you were calling the match, and it could have a real impact on the postseason Would going forward. Would you have forward. called it a PK? No. Uh, see, I, but I, I've seen him given. I didn't think it was a it's P- one I, of, I would have been fine either way. It's one of those where VAR wouldn't... Right, if, if you called the pen, VAR wouldn't have reviewed it. If he, you don't he, did, call, he did make contact, was, right. but it, clear, it was clearly It's subjective. Being, it was, uh, it's a subjective call. Joseph was... Clearly drawing sure. the PK and sure and, and look I mean I it, I'm not saying I'm not saying he didn't make contact I I, I, good, I understand he made contact but I couldn't tell whether that was maybe contact not from, enough to go down maybe yeah. I, I don't know if, I couldn't tell if that was contact from the keeper or 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 Joseph for lack of a better phrasing leaning into that contact and I think well I mean he's expecting the contact sure. right yeah. and 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 the actually Turner did a pretty good job of kind of pulling out of the challenge. So there wasn't as much contact as maybe Joseph had anticipated, but I think that it was just a subject. I mean, for I, me, for me personally, not enough contact for for a penalty kick. I agree. Uh, it wasn't. I don't think it was simulation because I mean there was. Well, no, contact. there was contact. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and but but uh, but uh, yeah, that's a subjective call uh, for the referee. VAR is not going to reverse it either way. Funny because people told us with VAR that subjectivity is removed uh, from officiating, which is which is stupid and wrong. Uh, and this is an example of where the referee. Uh, there was contact, not enough for a clear and obvious error, whether you give the penalty or not. And I thought Kevin Stott made the right decision not to call it, but to come in with that yellow card for a simulation was just, it, it was a bad call and it went against the way he called the rest of the match. It was just, it was just really, really poor from him. Yep. All right. Um, Had to get that one in there. That anything made else? me really mad. No, I think that's it. I think other than uh, just everybody, uh, you know, what, what is uh, the line from Samuel L. Jackson in Jurassic Park? Uh, hold on to your butts. <laughs> the entire match is going to be squeaky bum time. Oh. Squeaky bum time. Count on it. All right. Um, you can find me at Eric G. Quintana you on can, Twitter. You can find me at Josh B914. Uh, at Sam J. Franco on uh, Twitter. Follow the podcast at MOTS Podcast. Donate to the podcast, patreon.com slash MOTS Podcast. Um, we got the radio show. I. I didn't mention this before. We're going to do this kind of right now. But are you okay with moving it to uh, Tuesdays, the radio show? No problem. Tuesdays are going to be the radio show starting uh, the next couple of weeks if you are an uh, avid listener of the radio show. Same time, 7 o'clock, just on Tuesdays. Works better for all of us. Yes. And, and you get quicker you reaction. sooner. Yeah, yeah Quicker exactly. game reacts, yeah. Let me think. Anything else? Oh, shout out to Michael Parkhurst, by the way. I wanted to drop that Oh, yeah, in. go ahead. Yeah, he... Uh, uh, we got him uh, one of his Captain Atlanta shirts we made for him, and he threw it out there on Twitter. So, nice. Uh, shout out to Michael Two shirts. Parkhurst. You've had shout outed. Shout. That's right. Sam, shout, are, shout outed by so players. So all, <laughs> right. all of those Atlanta United breaking T-shirts, are they all available on the website, they or are. is it a limited they time are. thing? No, they are all available uh, whenever. You know, if nice. you want to go buy You know, I know a lot of people don't want to, like, you know, with the turnaround for, like, Playoff Franco, for example, it's like, well, I don't want to buy a shirt two days before a game that they might lose. You know what I mean? But hey, right. if they uh, were to beat Philly, well, plenty of uh, plenty of stock. I know that's the Joseph cool. one has been the hot seller. If you but. buy two, can you get a third? You're just paying shipping, shipping and handling. Um, is that how this works? What are you talking? I'm a little confused. <laughs> TV infomercials. Yeah. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Jesus.
It's like you, yeah, buy two, get one, and pay just shipping and handling. No, that's not how this works. But if you spend a certain <laughs> amount of money, shipping is free. So, all right, uh, that'll do it for us. See you later, Lena. Adios.